0: Talk about how we were so mad when we finished ending. Oh yeah, the last episode. (laughs) We decided we're gonna call Danny Papa, Papa, (laughs) Papa. Do we sound okay, (laughs) Papa? Was my was my story done well? (laughs) Did you like it, Papa? We worked really hard, (laughs) Papa. Papa, can you hear me? Perfect. (laughs) Hello. Hi. <laughs> this is the podcast. That Broad's Got Moxie and Bubbles with <laughs> Mimosas. <laughs> hell yes. Is it considered a mimosa, even though it's not just orange juice? Because mm. it's a Bellini when it's peach, oh. right? And it's called something else when there's like grapefruit juice in it. Mm-hmm. Let's call it a Pogmosa. <laughs> <A> Pogmosa. <laughs> So a pogmosa. Uh, I'm Kiana. I am I have a pogmosa in my hand. <sighs> I am Cassie. I do have a pogmosa in my hand. And our papa. A papa! Danny. <laughs> papa. <laughs> she's here. She does not have a, mim- a mimosa in her hand. No, hers was a little baby one, but I think she's done with the champagne for the day. Mm-hmm. She has a whole laptop on her lap, though. She has she a lot is. of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> she's got to get down to business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We took a lovely break between our recording of two episodes today and had some pogmosas and some Mexican food, which mm-hmm. was very tasty. Got into Chloe and Hallie. Ooh, did we ever. Mm-hmm. God, what a great suggestion. Thank you for that. Yes, I am obsessed with them and I need to spread the word actually. But yeah. Spread, <laughs> preach it. Spread the good word. Everybody go listen to the album Ungodly Hour. Ugh. Uh, stream it live on iTunes today. Ooh, so good. iTunes <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. oh gosh Mm -hmm. so we once again are in spooky season still spooky season still having a good time bam i'm going first today oh because you went last last time okay exactly okay well then i guess i'll just get cozy yep just a little bit up. Uh, less than that yeah (laughs) shut up (laughs) both of you get out of here you know what i'm perfectly fine i will talk into the microphone don't give me... <laughs> you don't <laughs> give me attitude? and You neither. Stop speaking to Papa! <laughs> Papa's giving me some fucking tooth today. <laughs> so Papa's gonna get talked to like... <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh boy. Alright. <clears throat> okay. Who... So are you talking about today so we're gonna have a little ghost story if you will can you pick up the rain outside it's raining it's oh it's raining girl it's spooky season we're gonna talk about ghost stories today oh we got some ambiance the candle is lit we have some dried lavender a, a rock crystal? A salt crystal? Salt, rock, rock, salt salt, lamp. rock salt lamp? Thank you. I was like, <laughs> that's not... It's a mineral. <laughs> it's salt, <laughs> but it's not a rock. Okay. Okay. So I am talking today about Gertrude Treadwell. Ooh. So we're going to know about her, like, history, not a ghost. And then we're going to talk about how she appears as a ghost. Just a little bit. More. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so, Gertrude Treadwell... Was a spinster and the last inhabitant of 29 East 4th Street, which is now the Merchant's House Museum in New York City. okay. The house itself is tucked away along a quiet street in the bustling Soho (laughs) and is the last remaining 19th century family home in New York City preserved intact both inside and out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the house came into Gertrude's family in 1834 when her parents, mother, Eliza Earl Parker Treadwell, and father, Seabury Treadwell, bought the newly constructed row house to fit their family. Mm -hmm. The five-story brick structure was purchased for $18,000, which is (laughs) $559,568.86. Excellent. Damn, that is accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I went inflation calculator. (laughs) this year, this much money, and it gave me exact amounts. Damn, nice. And boy, was it a big family. So yeah, they needed the space Mm -hmm. that the five-story home provided. Yeah. Gertrude was the youngest in the family, the last of eight children born to the couple. Oy. Mm -hmm. She was also the only one of their kids that was actually born in the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was born September 17th, 1840. (laughs) (laughs) Fargo. And some say she never left. (laughs) Uh, So growing up, Gertrude lived in a very Episcopal Christian family. (laughs) Why did you say Episcopal? Episcopal? (laughs) Like you were shocked. (laughs) It's because it's that thing where if you don't say it a certain way, it's not coming out correctly. Uh, That's fair. (laughs) So she's Episcopal. (laughs) (laughs) And fun fact, she's related to the father-son duo who were named Samuel Seabury. The younger Samuel is immortalized to us in the musical Hamilton. Mm-hmm. here he, My name is Samuel Seabury. And I present the <laughs> free thoughts on the proceedings of the Continental Congress. <laughs> Heed not the rebels who <laughs> scream revolution. revolution. <laughs> yeah, that. That one. <laughs> so last episode, we had a little little Hamilton call. Yeah. And then also... Uh, I love a callback. <laughs> a little one over here, too. It's amazing. They mm-hmm. were real people. <laughs> Damn. So, Samuel Seabury. He was the first American Episcopal bishop. <laughs> and with that kind of blood in your family, not too far down the line, you can imagine that they were also pretty intense religious folks. Yep. Also wealthy. Mm, so Gertrude grew up in the in this family surrounded by all the modern luxuries, ornate decor, and beautiful lavish furnishings that money could buy. There was no surviving correspondences from Gertrude or her siblings. So we never truly know much about her personal life. But Mm -hmm. here's what we do know. In her 20s, probably around the age of 25, Gertrude's attention was caught by a young fella named Lewis Walton. Don't ask me how to spell his name because everywhere I looked had a different spelling of Lewis. Of course it did. All (sighs) reasonable. All reasonable spellings. (laughs) Um, The two became lovers. And once they fell in love... Uh, they soon wanted to make plans to get married. Aw. Right? Aw, indeed. However, Uh-oh. a happy future wasn't in the cards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lewis- Is it Lewis's
0: fault? It's... No. no. I mean, I, I guess you can say it's his fault. I'll keep going. Okay. <laughs> so, Lewis went to Gertrude's father, Seabury, and was like, I want to marry your daughter. And the proposal was shot down. Oh. You see, Lewis was a poor Catholic medical student.
1: So, oh. it's kind of his fault, but it not really... <laughs>
0: That's fair. That's fair. He's a poor Catholic medical student, and the Treadswells, like I said, strict Episcopalian. (laughs) And they didn't want religious mixing Mm -hmm. in the family. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, the family had a reputation of being prominent New York bankers, merchants, lawyers, and judges. And so Lewis was just a medical student, so they rejected that. Yep. Not only that, though, they were also forbidden from interacting with one another anymore. Which is oh. kind of sad, right? Yeah. Gertrude was guarded by her three old maid sisters, I say in quotes. hmm That was Julia, Phoebe, and Sarah. Mm-hmm. And they kept an eye on her to ensure that no funny business was happening. Of course. Uh, Lewis was the first and only man to seek Gertrude's affection. And after the rejection from her family, it said that Lewis was never seen again and Gertrude became a recluse. Mm-hmm. Although some believe that the two are still in touch. Oh. Oh, secrets. <laughs> secrets. Secret romance. Oh, I love it. You see, the merchant house, it was later discovered, had a secret tunnel. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. Uh, I
1: love a secret tunnel.
0: The tunnel could be found at the bottom of the closet between the second floor front and back bedrooms. Okay. And it connected to the house of Astor Place, mm-hmm. named after. John Jacob Astor. <laughs> Mother. God damn it. That man's everywhere. He comes back again. Who <laughs> was Molly Brown's friend in a, a few episodes ago? Mm-hmm. What Astoria, an Oregon coastal city, is named after. And also during my research, I was like, why is this man in everything? Why is he in everybody's business? Because he had more money than God and he was just like, buying that, buying that, buying that city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was so rich. Damn. So it went to. A place that he owned. Mm-hmm. And the front bedroom near the secret tunnel mm-hmm. is where Gertrude's room was. Oh, very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> so George Chapman, a relative of Gertrude's who bought the house after she passed away, was the one who discovered it. Mm. I don't know who knew about it. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Quote, underneath that bottom was a trap door. When I raised it, I found a ladder extending down to a small secret chamber on the first floor between the drawing room and what is now the dining room. He also found a man's jacket in there <gasps> in the style of coats that they wore in the 1860s. Uh-huh. And it was a design that Lewis probably would have been wearing. Amazing. Romance never dies. <laughs> so cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Mm -hmm. So Gertrude continued to live in the merchant house with her siblings, parents, and aunts and uncles until 1909, when all of the family either moved away or passed away. Mm. So at 69 years old, nice, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gertrude was the house's only occupant. She was a spinster and a recluse, as I said earlier, and kept her home in the exact same way as it always was. No, that's (laughs) so creepy. (laughs) But also so cool. It's really cool. It is. This is equal. Equal parts. Cool and creepy. Yeah. So keeping the original 19th century furniture, decorative arts, and personal possessions of her family, it, it was just all there. It's it's like a museum, but you live in it. Mm-hmm. And Oof. then it got turned into a museum <laughs> later. Got, exactly. <laughs> so Gertrude Treadwell never married and lived in the East 4th Street house her entire life, which is really strange For a wealthy woman in the 19th century to be by herself and, yeah. Yeah. The whole damn. She had no friends (laughs) and her family didn't come over and there was likely no romance anymore. George Chapman, the relative who bought the home, Mm -hmm. only saw her once in his whole life. What? (laughs) And he is, I think he's Gertrude's sister's son. So it's Aunt Gertie. Yeah. And he only saw her Once. once. Quote. Oh, yeah, here we go. Quote, Mrs. Treadwell was my mother's aunt. Oh, wait, no, then that's not right. Mother's aunt. Second cousin. Great aunt. Great aunt. Mm -hmm. Okay, there we go. I should just read my notes. (laughs) (laughs) And continuing with the quote. But we'd never dream of going to see her unless we were asked. I just happened to catch a glimpse of Cousin Gertrude one day when I was walking through the block. Saw her vaguely through a dust-coated front window. She was a little little bit of thing quite different from the rebellious blue-eyed girl mother often described to me the girl who loved Lewis Walton oh yeah. oh god right hurt <laughs> but how to live such a reclusive life that your own family has to just see you through the window of your place that's wild mm-hmm. look i live obviously mm-hmm. with papa <laughs> <laughs> I live with Danny Mm -hmm. and during, specifically during like when, when quarantine was like last spring Mm -hmm. when I wasn't working, I was like, sweet baby Jesus, I need social interaction. I need to talk to somebody. I just need to see. Yeah. I need to see (laughs) another person. So being in a house alone and a house that fucking big. Yeah. Five stories. That looks like a mausoleum. Oof. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's that is some lonely loneliness. It also feels like in the middle of New York. <laughs> yeah, the most uh, the fucking bustling city. Uh huh. To... That's wild. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh so at the turn of the century, the neighborhood around Gertrude was starting to change. Uh, the grandiose mansions of the families in the area, previously, which included. Aster, Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt, uh, Delano, as in Delano Roosevelt. Uh (laughs) So they all lived in the area, but they were now vacating to live elsewhere. Uh More like East Manhattan. And those buildings were being demolished. Mm -hmm. And in their place, warehouses and manufacturing firms moved in. Yeah. But Gertrude stayed. Love it. Uh, She outlived her $10,000 inheritance, which is in today's money one hundred and sixty (laughs) seven thousand eight hundred and thirty two hundred and fifty two cents i love the cents. so she had that much money Uh she was now penniless in her later life um she lived up until the lowest point of the great depression great where widespread poverty was just the thing the whole world was Uh facing the treadwell family lived in the home for nearly a hundred years before Gertrude died mm-hmm. on August twenty second, nineteen thirty three, at the age of ninety three. Oh, wow, she died on the same bed that she was born on. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh boy, there's the circle of life. I was like, there's some, there's some subtext there. Everything feels creepy, right? It does. It feels like a ghost story. It's like it makes sense that she became a ghost. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely. Not a surprise. No. Got a lot of unfinished business because she never left the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she left one of the most valuable legacies imaginable, the only family home in New York City to survive intact, with all the original furniture, with all the original decorative art, with all of the personal possessions. Wow. Like a treasure trove of history. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that, you made it. That's what yeah. counts. <laughs> Notably. Because this is cool. When volunteers were preparing exhibits for the Merchant House Museum, Uh as they were getting everything together in the 80s, they discovered a playbill from a performance in 1860s in the overcoat of a jacket. And it was presumably like somebody wore that to the theater, came home, and never wore the coat again. Holy shit. That's wild. Yeah. Marie Kondo would... Love this home. Oh, my God. She, <laughs> everything would be like, well, this isn't mine. I don't care. Toss it. Yep. <laughs> Clear it out, guys. That house was then turned into a museum and then a national landmark in, the ni- in 1965. Mm. A few days after the death of Gertrude, some neighborhood boys were playing, loudly as kids do, mm-hmm. in the street mm. when the door to mm-hmm. the merchant house flew open. <gasps> Weird. Maybe the wind blew it open, right? Right. But upon looking closer, they were like, oh, there's a person in there. Maybe they're cleaning up or something. Wrong. It was Gertrude. (gasps) Oh, spooky. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost chased the boys away. (gasps) And I imagine her ghost was just pissed and thinking, I've been dead for three days and they're already making a ruckus outside. Have some damn respect. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in this place for 100 years. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But this was the first supernatural sighting, literally three days after she died. I mean, sounds pretty on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Countless visitors have reported seeing Gertrude's ghost in the house. She mostly appears as an elderly woman, normally by the main staircase or hovering by the front door. But people have also seen young versions of her around the house. But it makes sense because she was just always there, like her yeah. whole life. Yeah, it would make sense that in you know different stages of her life would be mm-hmm. reflected in different areas, maybe. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Other things that have happened: the house's broken piano has allegedly been heard strumming from the parlor window. No. And like people on the street can hear it. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Even when the museum is just like locked and closed for of the course. night. Naturally. Mm -hmm. It has to be the creepiest time. The creepiest time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Teacups have also been known to just move around the house and scatter. Like, shatter, I mean. (laughs) Scatter. Shatter (laughs) on the kitchen (laughs) floors and dining rooms. Some employees of the museum swear the place is haunted, and its executive director, Margaret Halsey Gardner, said many visitors get a cold and creepy feeling in Gertrude's room. I fucking bet they do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Denise Freiberg, a museum volunteer, reported seeing a female servant. So not Gertrude. Mm. Seeing a female servant with a doily on the back of her hair, carrying a large tray into what would have been the dumbwaiter, and she described it as the clearest paranormal visual she's ever had. Oh wow! So Gertrude's not alone in there. Well, and truly, she can't possibly be. Mm-hmm. If the family as a whole lived there for over a hundred years, yeah. People lived and died in that house. Yeah. And not just Gertrude. Yeah. Gertrude just was the last one. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we know her. Oh. One night, this is another story from Denise. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was closing down the museum for the evening, and she brought along an EVP, Mm -hmm. which is an electronic voice phenomenon recording device. Gorgeous. While she was downstairs in the family room, she asked, is anyone here? And when she played the tape back later on... She could distinctly hear the reply of an elderly woman saying, Hello. Ooh, I <laughs> kind of love it. None of the apparitions in the building, though, seemed to have any malicious intent. Mm-hmm. Margaret, the executive director that I mentioned earlier, said, quote, For months, I just couldn't make it all the way up the stairs to turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. Finally, I told them, I come in peace, and we've been fine ever since. Oh. So. Okay. That's nice. Denise, the museum volunteer again, said, quote, There's not a sense of alarm or negativity to the paranormal activity. Most of the activity is auditory or olfactory. Smells. Smell. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes you can smell perfume or something burning or cooking in the beehive oven. Oh. Wow. In recent years, a group of tourists reported that upon ringing the doorbell at the entrance, Mm -hmm. they were greeted by a woman dressed in period clothing. And they were told that the museum was closed, except workers don't dress in period clothing. And the museum was open. Oh, no. <laughs> Old Gertie, she wants people out of her house. God damn. So that's about it. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in seeing Gertrude yourself or maybe just the five floors of period rooms full of shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the house is a museum. As I've said, it's open Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Very exclusive hours. Yeah. And in October, they offer ghost tours. Fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So as it stands right now, mm-hmm. it is spooky season In when you're listening to this. Yeah. But it is September when we are recording this because, well, guys, we got some shit to do. <laughs> we are busy bitches in October because it is spooky season and we are yeah. going to enjoy it we we like it's to its fullest. We, it's when we're the most active. Absolutely. <laughs> and I... Guys... Guys, I cannot wait to go do a ghost tour and to go to a ghost town. I want to get fucking spooky this year and I can't wait and I love it so much. I'm so excited. And scared. Yeah. (laughs) I want to meet a ghost. I just want to ask him what it's like. I want to meet Gertrude and say, so, religion-wise, who's right? (laughs) And see what she says. (laughs) God's a woman, right? Yeah? Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. The Great. Ariana Grande song is factual. <laughs> Thank <And> you. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. My sources today were the merchantshousemuseum.org, findagrave.com. Excellent. Wikipedia, an article called A Spinster Still Haunts This NYC Home by Amber Snyder. Another article called The Loner, The Lover and the Trap Door of the Merchants House by Tom Bryant. Ooh. And historically haunted by Meredith Heal and Lib Tichen. Excellent. Do you know if Ghost Hunters has been there? I do. They probably know. have. They probably have. It's considered. So it was like. I also listened to a podcast that I just realized I forgot to oh. credit. It's called Hillbilly Haunting. Perfect. Okay. Uh-huh. But when they were talking about it, they were saying like one of three buildings in New York that are disputed as being the most haunted. Okay, I'm sure. Those so then, ghost been hunters there, must have been there. Excellent. Oh, I'm excited. Yes. Okay. okay. What tale are you gonna tell today? I am going to tell everyone about the Fox Sisters. Okay. I don't because, because I'm sure you do. So the Fox Sisters. There's Leah, Maggie, and Kate. So the two youngest children of the family of six kids, so the six all together, Maggie was born on October seventh, eighteen thirty-three. She's Libra. Mm-hmm. And Kate, the baby of the family, was born March twenty seventh, eighteen thirty seven. Big Aries energy there. Hell yeah. We Leah love that. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, the oldest the oldest child of the family, mm-hmm. was born Mar excuse me, April eighth, 1813. So more Aries. More Aries. Yeah. Two of the three. So big difference, obviously, between 1833 and 1813 when Leah was born. Mm -hmm. So there is like a 20 plus year age gap between the siblings. So their parents, Margaret and John were together, had their first four children in the early 1800s. Right. And then (laughs) John had a problem with, like, in the whiskey. Uh, so they broke up. Margaret left and took the children. But after a couple of decades, they reconciled, got packed together, bada-bing, bada-boom, two more babies. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. Hey, I guess. I guess. Happy that love wins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, how convenient that he was not in the picture while all of the older children were growing up <laughs> and then suddenly returned to be like, I'm going to put a baby in you. Can I just say, I watched an episode of Super Nanny. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. That was very similar. Oh. In that they had been together, split up, and uh-huh. then got back together and had more kids. Oh. And he was a trash bag. So <laughs> I hope this was better now that I think about it. <laughs> I mean, we don't know, but... Yeah. We can hope. Yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. So the girls were all born and raised in Hydesville. Though at the ripe old age of 14, Leah was married. Yeah. 14 is marrying a... <laughs> yeah, I know. We're spinsters. Uh, wait, no, you're God. married. <laughs> did you yeah. hear what I said? No. What did you say? I went, we're spinsters. Wait, you're married. <laughs> That's true. We're an old married couple. You, ma'am, are the spinster. Shit. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. So Leah got married and moved to Rochester, New York. Okay. Oh, this is a New York episode. (laughs) Yes, it is. Sorry. Did I not say that? Hydesville and Rochester are in, like, upstate New York. Oh, okay. Okay. So when Maggie and Kate were in their tweens, like... 10 and 13, 11 and 14, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there, the family moved into this big farmhouse. There was a rumor going around town that a peddler had been murdered on the site of their new farmhouse. (laughs) So their mother heard this in town and she's a little bit of a nervous (laughs) Nellie. So their mother began just jumping Every like creaky floorboard and squeaky door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's thoroughly freaked out at the idea that there's the spirit of this dead man on their property. I mean rightfully so. Rightfully <laughs> so. I've that will be a an important question I ask someday. Yeah. <laughs> Who died here? <laughs> was it bad? <laughs> yeah. Anytime anytime you are about to purchase a home, go ahead and toss that address in the exactly. internet search, see if there's any murders. <laughs> That reminds me of the scene in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which we are Mm -hmm. (laughs) re-watching. Everyone who comes into Rebecca and Heather's new house are like, aren't this the house where everyone got, oh, look at that mirror wall. Look at, wow, beautiful artwork. What great countertops. (laughs) I forgot about (laughs) that. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so anyway. Maggie and Kate thought to themselves, I mean, this could be fun. (laughs) Mom's losing her shit at every turn, right? Mm -hmm. We'll just play some harmless pranks. So they started by tying an apple to a string. Okay. Okay. And basically, they would just tap it, you know, like bounce it off the ground, Mm -hmm. off their their floor, which would essentially be the ceiling from, like, a parlor, a living room, or something like that. And it would just make this hollow kind of thumping sound. It's not something great that you want to hear (laughs) in the fucking walls and the ceiling of your creepy old house, right? When you think it's haunted. (laughs) Yeah. So, this is how this all started. (laughs) And then the girls suddenly started to communicate with the spirit in the house by asking it questions, which it would answer back to them with like wrappings or knockings. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether that be like thumps on the floor with a fucking apple mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, like like on the side of their bed, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Margaret is absolutely their poor mother is absolutely beside no. herself with fear. And then things only escalated from there. So, (laughs) the girls originally referred to the spirit as Mr. Splitfoot, which of course is a nickname for the devil, right? Yeah. Because he's got hooves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Through these wrappings, though, this communication, they discovered that the spirit was that of a traveling salesman named Charles, and apparently Charles had been murdered uh, five years before and was buried in the cellar. Okay. Okay chill right super chill <laughs> just kid things <laughs> call me crazy but if i had children and they were like hey mom hate to break it to you a man was murdered here and he's buried in the basement i'd be like we're leaving goodbye <laughs> yeah that would be terrible not no oh god not good not, if danny told me that i'd be like we gotta go <laughs> Got to vacate the premises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, obviously, they had to ensure that the girls were, in fact, telling the truth. hmm <laughs> <laughs> Like, facepalm. Ugh. So, family members and neighbors and stuff asked more questions of this spirit. You know, like, knock once for yes, twice for no. How old is Maggie? And then, like, 12 knocks would follow. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very smart like, on the ball spirit they're having, they're conversating with. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very present. Very present. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, uh, neighbors, family, friends, all, relatives, everyone's amazed to hear these revelations and witness these spectacular wrappings. mm mm-hmm. Again, fucking facepalm. Like, can we? <laughs> can we? So... <laughs> Could they really talk to ghosts? The answer is no. <laughs> but that's not going to stop anyone. Mm-hmm. So with their newfound fame and there's m- their mother's anxiety just through the roof. <laughs> this poor <woman. laughs> I know. I feel so bad. I was like, she's, she's having a real yeah. come to Jesus moment. Like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. She's been bamboozled bad. Bad. Real bad. <laughs> yeah. So, the Fox sisters moved to the big city of Rochester. Kate moved in with their older sister, Leah. And Maggie went to live with their brother, David. But, surprise, surprise, (laughs) the wrappings followed. (laughs) Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So, clearly, the spirits, or more than one spirit, because now they're in separate places, I don't know. But they suddenly were hearing wrappings everywhere they went. Mm-hmm. So Rochester at the time was just a hotbed of free thinking. Right. Okay. So this area was the birthplace of Mormonism oh. and Millerism, which I'd never heard of. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It's the precursor to Seventh Day Adventism. Oh. So. Okay. Both of those things happened there. There's a bunch of radical Quakers, you know, and their do goodness <laughs> and and their oats and their oats, <laughs> and um, th- people who identified as Swedenborgians, which sounds like something the Swedish Chef yeah. <laughs> on the Muppet Show, Swedenborgians, <laughs> Herbity Derbity. But Sweden, for context, Mm -hmm. Swedenborg was an author who wrote this big philosophical book that essentially was like, when you die, you're still here. You're just on a different plane. And Mm -hmm. so ghosts are all around us. It's, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Getting crazy with the hand, sorry. Technical issue. (laughs) So all of this just like mysticism and spiritualism, it's all, Mm -hmm. it's all happening right, right here. Yeah. It's a lot of people who are like, we don't know. We don't. Exactly. Exactly. Also, Frederick Douglass Mm -hmm. and other, a bunch of like abolitionists came, you know, came from this area. And also it was a location for one of the very first women's rights conventions, which then led to the suffragist movement. Okay, So yeah, a lot of movers and shakers happening over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these two pa- married couple, Amy and Isaac Post, are these community leaders. Everyone loves them and respects them. They're intrigued mm-hmm. by the Fox sister story, right? And invited the girls to come to a gathering at their house. And by gathering, of course, I mean seance. <laughs> so the of attendees, it's spooky season. It right? Can we? No, we can't. I will no. say that. No, we can't. No. There's a rule in this house. The Ouija boards are a no-go here. That's a rule in every house I'm, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rule about personal boundaries. If I see a Ouija board, I'm leaving. I am out. <laughs> Bye. Okay. So the attendees were anxious to see if they could communicate with spirits in a different location, right? They're like, well, mm-hmm. the wrappings followed you from your home, where it originally happened to now your brother's house and your sister's house. Let's see if we can get them to come here. So Isaac post said in an article later said, quote, I suppose I went in with as much unbelief as Thomas felt when he was introduced to Jesus after he had ascended. <laughs> and I was like, that's a lot of unbelief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If Thomas was like, Holy shit, I thought you died. Yeah. And now you're coming down from heaven. That seems like that seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I used to listen to the podcast and that's why we drink yeah. a lot. I actually uh-huh. haven't in a while. But M on one of the hosts on mm-hmm. the show, they used to be a ghost hunter. Uh huh. And they <laughs> always talk about how like People who are ghost hunters are the first to say a ghost isn't real because they get told they're crazy all the fucking time. Exactly. (laughs) So if they're going to say something's real, they're going to feel sure about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, however, even though going into this with as much just like, "Mm, mm, you sure? He was swayed by very distinct thumps under the floor. And several apparent answers. Was an apple. <laughs> 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 something? He believed Maggie and Kate even more when Leah, their older sister and like chaperone, uh-huh. also proved herself to be a medium by communicating with the Post's recently deceased daughter. So Leah got involved and... <laughs> Leah was like, I want him. <laughs> exactly. She was like, God, this seems easy. She was like, I had to get married at 14. You guys had to have all this money. I just want to have a little fun. <laughs> yeah. So the posts were absolutely blown away by all three of the Fox sisters and wanted to show everyone their amazing supernatural abilities. So what did they do? <laughs> Naturally, they rented the biggest space in town, uh, Corinthian Hall. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds impressive, doesn't it? Corinthian Hall. (laughs) And on November 14th, 1849, 400 paying spectators came to hear the mysterious noises. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what's happening here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So people came to watch the girls be revealed as frauds. (gasps) Basically, they were, (laughs) everyone showed up and were like, this is going to be good. <laughs> They're going to be found out. And we're just going to revel mm-hmm. in their misery, which is terrible. I mean, but people used to watch the death penalty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's not good. Yeah. Humanity is kind of crap. <laughs> a lot of choices have been made. Mm-hmm. So while they paid money <laughs> mm-hmm. to come in and watch them fail, basically, yeah. they were left very disappointed. Oh. <laughs> the girls, everything went off without a hitch. It was spooky. It was creepy. They heard the noises. And people were like, what the fuck? So the following night, part deux mm-hmm. of, <laughs> of this charade, <laughs> local church and community leaders were present on stage during this mass seance mm-hmm. um, to uncover any trickery. Okay. that they were hiding right they were like what you what are you doing what mm-hmm. what's happening here do you have something in your hand hmm? where is it tell me <laughs> however they couldn't find anything again disappointed crowd is of it? assholes please tell me you're gonna reveal how they did this. i'm getting yeah okay yeah yeah i, I was well. like i was like man all this i i was starting to believe them yep <laughs> <laughs> i was like cassie i think they just might communicate to the dead Look everything in my like wanting to believe and absolutely believing that we are not we're mm-hmm. not alone in the universe there are so many things that we don't understand mm-hmm.
1: and we were also talking about
0: it earlier our brain doesn't want us to know exactly things. exactly and I have people in my life who I have seen things happen to that I can't understand that they can't understand that everybody just goes what the fuck just happened mm-hmm. that was spooky and weird. So, I'm open. I'm open to all possibilities. This, you're Rochester, New York. At the I, am. <laughs> I am. I am. You're just open. Call me Rocky. <laughs> Papa and Rocky. Papa. <laughs> and then when we get mad at each other, it's Papa v Rocky. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so good. Okay, where are we? Okay, so the third and final night Mm -hmm. of this exposition, (laughs) stagehands who were there to get everything set up up, found that an audience member had brought a bucket of warm tar (gasps) to literally tar and feather them. See, what the hell? (laughs) What the actual fuck? If you, you know... It's always kind of funny to picture, like, in Shakespearean times, right? Someone seeing a bad play and like throwing a tomato, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because they were like, "Well, nobody's gonna eat this. I'll throw it at somebody who's garbage trash at acting, right? <laughs> all, all bad, all bad. Yeah, but taught to literally, mm-hmm. literally tar and feather somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Well, and also, how did they sneak in a bucket? That's a good of question. Tar. Look, I don't I know. Guess, you know. There probably is not security I, like we know. <laughs> that's true. Also, I don't know how. Tar. How? How? Mm-hmm. I know it gets hot. And you smear it on the road mm-hmm. to fill cracks and stuff. It's like it's just very viscous. Yeah. But when it's hot, it's liquid. Yeah. I just. That seems dangerous. They are children. <laughs> how very dare you? I mean, he probably wasn't worried about their well-being if he was willing to. I'm sure he wasn't. <laughs> He's got a pillow sack full of fucking chicken feathers and a bucket full of tar. He's ready to do some damage. Yeah. I've always... Tarring and feathering is one of those old torture techniques yeah. that I've always been very grossed out by. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. There's a part in The Emperor's New Groove where Yzma yes. <laughs> is tarred and feathered. <laughs> <laughs> and even as a child, I was like, I don't feel like that's right. Oh, my- so funny and then she gets hung up from a tree like a pinata Yeah. (laughs) oh my god but it's not like that that's a cartoon that's fake it doesn't take a moment to acknowledge how much I think to myself sometimes we're the same person how does Canada (laughs) know the exact same reference that is literally in my head right now how does she know this Get out of my brain! No, it! God God I appreciate it. You can't get me out. <sighs> okay, okay, all right. Tarn, tarn feathered. <laughs> however, again, the show went off without a hitch. There was no tarring or feathering of anybody. The displeased crowd, however, began to riot because. What? Because, well, they're assholes, and they wanted to see somebody get tarred and feathered, apparently. Ew! Yeah! I hate this.
1: <laughs> I'm not I happy don't. about I, this it. I a good
0: story. <laughs> and so the girls had to be snuck out, like, the back door mm-hmm. of the theater. But I, that's showbiz, baby! Like, <laughs> I don't know! <laughs> it's all bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the three sisters started their spiritualism tours through all of New York in 1850. Maggie, who was seventeen, and Kate, who was thirteen, routinely performed seances for hundreds of people, and communicated with spirits in front of audiences filled with politicians, famous writers, uh, even P.T. Barnum, oh, and Sojourner Truth, oh, <laughs> and I was like, that is a wildly diverse crowd. <laughs> you want to know something that's going on in my brain right now? Yes. So. Both of our stories that we told uh-huh. are like same era. Same era. Uh-huh. And the Treadwells were very wealthy people. They sure were. Oh, my God. I betcha. you shows. Holy shit. <laughs> they Gertie? Old Gertie Ghost? Or old Gertie. Absolutely went to see these people. I bet you she oh did. Oh, my gosh. I bet you. Her and Lewis. Oh, bless them. <laughs> How cute. I love that. Somebody write fan fiction. <laughs> Danny, you're on it. Papa. Papa. Fanfic. You're writing a fan fiction about Gertrude going to the séance with her with her forbidden love, Louis. Mm-hmm. So, and put then, that on your list. Oh, and not to tell you how to end the story, but I want Louis and Gertrude to end up both dead together. Another ghost together haunting the merchant house. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Back to the story. <laughs> now that we've got Thank that you. taken care of. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Okay, so they're doing this New York tr- this New York tour mm-hmm. again. Leah is managing slash chaperoning them around to to all these different locations. So then her first husband died, but don't worry, cause Leah married a wealthy banker mm-hmm. named Daniel Underhill in 1857. Daniel was a spiritualist, obvi. Oh yeah, and the newlyweds soon had. Solid control over the new movement Like they're in the Upper echelons of society They're spiritualists They're like everybody needs to Be part of this Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Leah set Herself up real nicely Just (laughs) right in the heart of New York City And entertained people In her private seance room (sighs) Look look, I don't want to do one But boy do I want to see a seance room (laughs) We just gotta you just got to decorate the podcast dome <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah, different. <laughs> that's true. We have a little tiny sands like looking area. Right? <laughs> that is, it's starting to go. It's there. literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did say there is dried lavender, a jar full of dried lavender mm-hmm. with a candle uh-huh. in a pretty funky jar. It's cool, right? Yeah, it's really cool. Thank you. You got the salt lamp. You got the salt lamp. That's, I mean, that's three things. I mean, but. You got a big bowl. I do have a big bowl. And ram. it has a ram on it. It does have a ram on it. It's for Sickness. sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sickness. Yeah. I think you're on your Is way. Is this a spooky silver mannequin in the corner? Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. I can't tell you before I put that bitch over there how many times I'd catch her out of the corner of my eye scare the bejesus out of myself i mean <laughs> like, she's over there now <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, whole, a whole mannequin in the house i can see how you think it's another person <laughs> <laughs> oh man we got our own gertie gertie okay oh, uh, where was i oh private seance room yes yeah so okay. leah's doing all this in her private seance room i just also want to throw in you have a walking stick which I does have two all walking f- sticks. I have one there and I have one over here. Even more sand. Oh, yes. <laughs> and feathers. I got feathers, like uh-huh. raven feathers. We got all sorts of witchy shit in here. I just yeah. got to culminate it so it <laughs> looks like not all over the place. Yeah, it's fine. So Leah's doing her thing in New York City. Maggie and Kate decided to take their talents on the road mm-hmm. outside of New York mm. and went to places in Ohio, you know, Cincinnati, Columbus. And then went down to St. Louis and back up to, like, Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. So while on tour, the famous Arctic explorer, Elijah Kane, fell absolutely in love with Maggie. Even though he thought she was a fraud. (laughs) He was like, ah, you're so full of shit, but damn it, are you charming. And I was like, (laughs) I was like. Well, that's how I got married. So it works, (laughs) y'all. Elijah convinced Maggie to retire from her rapping shows. I I was like, eh, rapping shows. Yeah. (laughs) From doing seances and stuff Mm -hmm. to go back to school and to marry him. And so she apparently was just like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Aww. Which I was like, man, that's a fucking bummer. Yeah. Also, she like just barely is 18. <sighs> so the two were together for about seven years mm-hmm. before Elijah's untimely death. Oh. And in mourning, she vowed to live a good Catholic life because she, con- she had converted for him. Mm-hmm. And to completely abandon spiritualism. Okay. But also being the repressed... New Catholic she was. Mm-hmm. She's drowned in her sorrows. Uh, A lot of wine. Aww. A lot of wine. So, all of this happens. And Kate is just kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'll just continue living my teen years. Right? <laughs> Fine. She just kind of is doing her own thing, going to school, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then Kate goes ahead And marries a man. Don't know his name. He's a devout (laughs) spiritualist also. And along with him, continued to develop her medium powers. So Kate began communicating two messages simultaneously, which is weird. She would write messages Mm -hmm. while also speaking a different message. Which I was like, I don't understand the point of that. That's just a fun talent. That to, right tone. To <laughs> yeah. It's like patting your patting your head and rubbing your belly at the same time. Yeah. She would also transcribe messages in reverse, Ugh. which again, don't know why other than it's a little pink floydy. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just strange. And she would use blank cards that words would just spontaneously appear on. Oh. I never In all of my reading, I didn't find out how that worked. So, ghosts? Spirits? I don't know. Disappearing ink. Also, that's a possibility. During one session with a wealthy banker, Mm -hmm. she summoned the man's dead wife and also the ghost of Benjamin Franklin. (gasps) Ben! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Benji! Yeah, so Kate's doing all this stuff. And then, so during and after the Civil War... Her business boomed, mm-hmm. obviously. It yeah. was a huge boom in spiritualism. A lot of grieving families. Yeah. A lot of them. And so, in an F, you know, with this idea of like, well, I don't know, they can communicate with the dead. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we can talk to our dead son, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, at least it's, like, one more time. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was very much, like, a closure thing. So yeah. a lot of people were like, okay, we'll give it a try. That is the sad part about, like, false mediums. Yes. It's like people are just really mourning and uh-huh. want to speak to their loved ones. Yeah. And they're being taken advantage of. Yeah. And sad. It's sad. It's gross and exploitative for sure. Yeah. However, with the rise in spiritualists and demand for more. More readings. People wanted more than just wrappings and communicating mm-hmm. in these through a medium kind of way. They're like, no, we want to see, like, full body apparitions. And Kate was like, I don't know what you think I can fucking do here. I can't do that. Right. You want to see a full body apparition? Go to the merchant house. Right? It's Just down the road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Furthermore, I would like to put in a little side note here. Mm-hmm. Because this time was so booming, Kate and her wrappings and her, you know, transmitting messages and stuff is just dipping our toe into all the other spiritualists and mediums and psychics of that time who were like, oh, what's it called? That stuff that comes, the exo ectoplasm. Mm -hmm. There are people who would eat a bunch of weird shit and then barf it back up and it would look like ghostly, disgusting. It's so freaking wild. But I was like, I can't. I can't go into that. (laughs) There's a lot of weird things going into people's bodies and coming back out in weird ways. (laughs) So I'm good. (laughs) But it is something very interesting to look into. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so Kate is fucking overwhelmed as shit and also found herself tending to her needs through the drink. Ah. So, okay. Yes. So, in 1864, Leah found out about Kate and Maggie's weirdly simultaneous drinking problems. Okay. And arranged for the two of them to go into rehab. However, in 1865, both of their parents died. Like, within months of each other. So, Kate got treatment, but Maggie never did. She gave up on getting Elijah's family to, like, recognize their marriage Because she had not been a Catholic when they got married. And so there was a lot of chaos there. So what she did was published a book called The Love Life of Dr. Cain. And it was just a book of love letters that they sent back and forth, which sounds really lovely to me. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. However, the book was a bust and left with very little money. Maggie... Mm-hmm. Look, I'm going to be perfectly honest. When I was writing this, I was like, there's three of them, and they're all doing things simultaneously, but they're all different. Mm-hmm. Gets a little confusing. Yeah. Fair. Okay. So Kate's in rehab. Maggie writes this book. Does not go well. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm penniless. I don't know what to do. So she accepts Leah's offer to go back on the stage as a medium. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So... Maggie's back on the stage Mm -hmm. working essentially for Leah. Workhorse. Workhorse. Doing all this stuff. So then Kate goes to England. Okay. Okay. She's out of rehab. She's going to England. And she's like, oh, this will be great. I'm going to go as a missionary. I'm going to get more people involved in spiritualism. All of that, however, was like puppeteered by Leah, who wanted to keep Maggie and Kate separate so that Kate wouldn't start drinking again because Maggie's a mess. Oh, okay. Okay. That, okay. Does, that does feel fair. Okay. So Maggie's doing her thing on the stage with Leah still. Kate is now in England. She meets a man, marries him. She's happy for a while. They have a couple of kids. Her husband dies. Mm-hmm. Not good. So she finds herself as a grieving, struggling single mother. Mm hmm. Finds herself drinking again and comes back to New York City. Leah's like, you also are a mess. You're a mess. What am I doing with you too?" So. Ooh, it's bad. Leah no. begins a crusade to get Kate's children from her. Aww. Yes. It's fucked up. Maggie was not fucking having any of this. Mm-hmm. Because, again, Leah's 20 years older than the two of them. Mm-hmm. These two are fucking connected at the hip. Yeah. They're very close. So in October of 1888, the New York world paid Maggie $1,500 and I did not use that fancy little tool, <laughs> but it's a lot of sleep. money. <laughs> so New York world paid Maggie $1,500 roughly. We'll just say it's good money mm-hmm. for, for one story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This was an exclusive story that would be published the day before her appearance at the New York Academy of Music, where she would publicly denounce spiritualism. They're like, holy shit. The drama. Maggie Fox is going to stand up in front of everybody and denounce spiritualism? It was a hot ticket. Ooh, yeah. Let's go. So her speech, as it turned out, <laughs> would be less about denouncing spiritualism. And more about throwing her sister Leah under the bus <laughs> for <laughs> publicly chastising Kate for her drinking and accusing her of being an unfit mother. Ah, And I was like, oh, she came out swinging. <laughs> Drama. Yeah. So at this thing, Maggie comes clean about everything. Quote, my sister Katie and myself were very young children when this horrible deception began. At night, when we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor, or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it would rebound. She then went on to explain that the sisters graduated from apple dropping to manipulating their knuckles, joints, and toes to make popping and rapping sounds. (sighs) Quote, a great many people, when they hear the rapping, imagine at once that the spirits are touching them. It is a very common delusion. <laughs> some very wealthy people came to see me some years ago when I lived in 42nd Street and I did some wrappings for them. I made the spirit rap on the chair and one of the ladies cried out, I feel the spirit tapping me on the shoulder. Of course, that was pure imagination. End quote. (laughs) So Maggie full ass goes up there and is like, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit, y'all. And then took off her fucking sock and shoe (laughs) and like popped her, like her ankle and she would crack her toe joints Uh. and people were just like, "Um, what? Huh? And Uh. then, or she would like hit her joint, like hit her Uh on the bottom of a chair Uh or on the leg of a stool or a table. (sighs) <sighs> oh my gosh talk about Everyone. body noises <laughs> body noises indeed they've all been fucking hoodwinked yeah right damn yeah so she, she tells everybody <laughs> what that's loud knuckle popping <laughs> yeah yeah it sure is so she showed everybody this she's spilling she's spilling the beans mm-hmm. Maggie insisted that Leah knew everything was a lie but after seeing the overwhelming attention that the two sisters were getting, mm-hmm. Leah was like, where's the money? <laughs> and, and was like, all right, little sisters, let's exploit you a little bit. Yeah. So a year after that, there, there's a big hullabaloo. A year after that, Maggie recanted her confession, <laughs> telling everyone that her spirit guides had, quote, beseeched her. To do so. Oh. <laughs> hmm Mm-hmm. Her spirit guides mm-hmm. were like, you have to tell everybody that you were lying about lying. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. hmm It's too much for everybody. Yeah. This flip-flopping <laughs> caused other spiritualists to just be like, look, we don't know what the fuck is the truth anymore. You told us you were a liar, and then you mm-hmm. were told us that your spirit guides... Told you to take these backsies. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on with you. Yeah. We're goodbye. Yeah. So that's kind of it. um <laughs> wow. Yeah. They ended up penniless, oh, with nothing in 1890. Leah died in her late 70s. Okay. Kate died of liver disease in 1892, and Maggie died eight months later of a heart attack. Oh, fucking boom, yeah. boom, boom. Maggie and Kate were both still young. Yeah, they were only in their fifties, but oof, a lot of a lot of heartache and turmoil. Yeah, it it was one thing to be teenagers and be like, hee. <laughs> you know, we're gonna knock on the table yeah. with our toes and shit, and then things just spiraled spiraled out of control. Oh, yeah. There was one fun fact. Oh, two fun facts actually. First fun fact, (laughs) they had a custom table built Mm -hmm. that in addition to their toes popping and ankles and stuff like that, this table had almost like a, like when you play pinball Mm -hmm. and you pull the thing back and let it go and it, that's what hits the metal ball and gets it going. Plunger? Is that what it's? Plunger. Thank you. Yes. So this table... Had a hidden compartment inside the table Mm -hmm. where if they hit this one like secreted area just on the side of the table. Yeah. It would cause a metal rod inside Mm -hmm. to bang against a piece of wood inside the table and make a hollow rapping noise. So that was also part of their seances. Yeah. Mm (laughs) who? I like to think about, who built that table? That is a good who question. Who put that together and was like, what do they need this mechanism for? Right? <laughs> that is a good question. They were like, this feels fishy. Mm-hmm. But they were probably like, I got 10,000 tables to make and no automated machine. I can't. <laughs> I can't. i got a lot of fucking sanding to do. <laughs> <Right>. Only splinters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So that was fun fact number one. Fun fact number two, Mm -hmm. during the spiritualism movement in general, Mm -hmm. there were obviously people out to find the truth, right? Real truth seekers who were like, I can smell bullshit from a mile away. I'm going to find you out. Yeah. Fucking Harry Houdini. Oh, yeah. Harry (laughs) Houdini was constantly like, you're a liar and I'm going to prove it. And so he hated the fox sisters. He was like, "I know you're full of shit, but I can't prove it." He didn't he oh, I remember hearing about this cuz I thought it was so funny that uh, Harry Houdini was obsessed, obsessed with proving spiritualists wrong. huh Oh, what is the fact? He said something like, "When I die, I will come back to a séance. And yes. if I do not, it's cuz it's fake." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I love that. Oh, and there's God. like every Halloween people try to uh-huh. call for Harry Houdini. Yeah, He's he is a vengeful vengeful man. He mm. was like, "I am a real. I am I I do this <laughs> shit. You can't tell what I'm doing cuz I'm magic." Yeah. But what you're saying is all all that metaphysical bullshit. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. So, that's the end of my story. My resource my sources this week were the Fox Sisters and the Rap on Spiritualism by Karen Abbott for Smithsonian Magazine. The Fox Sisters and the Birth of Spiritualism by Sharon Conliffe for headstuff.org. The Table That Could Talk to the Dead. Oh. Uh, and that was on atlasobscura.com. Nice. And... The Rochester Rappings, The Fox Sisters, and the Beginning of Spiritualism, which was a New York Times article from April of 1886. Oh, And that was very cool because I <laughs> yeah. was like, oh, that's an old-ass, <laughs> that's an old-ass <laughs> newspaper. This is <laughs> awesome. So, that's yes. a wrap, y'all. It sure is. If you liked the episode today, you can go ahead and let us know by either rating, reviewing, or subscribing, or all of them. Yeah. Give us those five stars. Yeah. And feel free to follow us on all of our social medias. We are on Instagram and Facebook at ThatBroadScotMoxie and on Twitter at got Moxie. And if you have any story recommendations or want to reach out to us for whatever reason, you can email us at ThatBroadScotMoxie at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, that's all we got for you today, everyone. Cheers. Sure <laughs> <laughs> Music by Sage Krenning, cover art by Vinny Navarrete, produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.